Genesis 12, 10 to 20. Genesis 12, 10 to 20. And I read. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while, because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife. Then they will kill me, but will let you live. Say you're my sister, so that I will be treated well, for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. When Abram went to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that Sarai was a very beautiful woman, and when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into his place. He treated Abram well for her sake, and Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarai. So Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me? He said. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she's my sister? So that I took her to be my wife. Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything that he had. Amen? Amen. We'll have a wonderful preaching from our pastor, Pastor Reverend Kingsley, who's our host pastor. Praise the Lord. Shall we please pray? Father, we come to you this morning to say thank you for your pursuing love (laughs) over China. Thank you. You're pursuing love over everywhere there is a virus. Thank you. Over everywhere there is the scent of death. Lord, we say thank you. Because there are things our minds are so limiting to see. And sometimes out of fear, we do things we ought not to do. But today we come. That will you speak with us? Speak to us as your children. Lord, I empty myself of pride and self-knowledge and, 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 and anything of me that will obstruct the truth of your word. May I speak truth in love. May I speak it with humility. Thank you for this amazing people who have come from far and near to hear from you. For their sake, Lord, speak. Speak to us. May the sinner come home. May the wanderer find shelter. May you, O oh God, give hope to the hopeless. May they find strength for those that are weak. And I pray that not one man, not one woman will leave your presence the same. Somehow, we'll be encouraged, we'll be motivated, we'll be strengthened where we are. Not to give up, not to run away from your presence, from our place of missions. May we stay even if there is famine, if there are difficulties, if even there are viruses. May we stay on mission. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is one of the scriptures which you are not likely to read and preach about. Genesis 12, 10 to 20. I mean, Genesis 12, 1 to 9, it's okay. But immediately you move to 10, it's almost like you want to discredit a man like Abraham. 
Such a faithful man. Bible says that he is a friend of God. I mean, Abraham, look, every religion in this world wants to connect to a man like Abraham. The Jew says Abraham is their father. The Islam, Muslim says that Abraham is the father of Ishmael. And the Christian says that Jesus is the seed of Abraham. So everyone relates with Abraham or Ibrahim. So how will I this morning want to talk about the weakness of Abraham? I'm not qualified to speak on such a man like this. But for Christ's sake, I will attempt to teach. And I pray that somehow with the humility of heart, we cannot receive the pursuing love of God. So let's talk about the church for a minute. This year, we're talking about God's love in action through us. And we are understanding God's love in this quarter. This morning, I'm talking about the pursuing love of God. The pursuing love of God. And I'll go through my quick four piece. I would make a proposition on the topic and state the purpose of the topic and the process of how God pursues us and the product, the outcome of God's love pursuing us and what response you can have for this message. Once again, let me remind you that Calvary Baptist Church has a mission statement in three C's. But our mission as a church, one, is to celebrate, two, is to connect, and three, is contribute. Can we say this three C's? Is to celebrate, connect, and contribute. When we say celebration, it's what happened on Sunday and Wednesdays, our midweek services, even our tarry night. And I want to thank all of you who made it to our Friday tarry night. It's once every month, 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. It's a good thing to spend some time praying. We come together to celebrate God's goodness and to worship and to pray. And then we connect in small groups. So if you are here and you don't belong to a small group, to an auxiliary or to a Bible study group, you are missing out on the mission of the church. So we connect. We connect in small groups. Take note of that. That's what I mean. Grow towards Christian maturity through connection. It is in small groups we have accountability. That is why someone will check. I didn't see you in Bible study today. You are not in church today. Is everything okay? Can we pray for you? That is where people check on you. That is how it happens in small groups. We are there to assist one another and to help them. Uh, it's also in fellowship, like you said. We grow towards Christian maturity through connection. And then the last is that we reach out to the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Through our contribution, through our service, through our giving, our vision is a vibrant congregation impacting the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is where we are heading towards to as a church. That's when we close our eyes, we see in the near future. It's a vision to, to the church to be a vibrant congregation impacting the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So three things I want you to reflect on this morning was I attempt to preach. How much is the love of God for you? How much do you think God's love is? As I preach, think about it. Maybe on a scale of 1 to 100. I wouldn't do 1 to 10 today. 1 to 100. Is God's love 60% towards you? Or is it 100% all the time? Or when you are good? Or when you pay your tithe? I want you to think about that for a minute. And once again, I want to find out from you, what is your fear? Uh, some of us last week heard, Coronavirus has just appeared on African soil. And people started panicking. On radio, people started talking. 
what is the government, what is the Ministry of Health, Ghana Health Service, putting in place. Because if it's in Nigeria, and some of us go on road, some fly almost every day to Nigeria, what are we doing, our entries, our borders? And then there is panicking and there is fear. Fear. And many of us are afraid about many things. We are afraid of if we lose our job today, what would the family do? We are afraid if the government do not change the voters' register or kept the voters' register, what will happen in election? We are afraid that if something happens to our children, we are afraid. We live in so much fear because of the things we hear. But I want to encourage you today as we go to think about what are you afraid and that we can bring our fears to the Lord. For he has said, do not be afraid. And you hear that in God's word. And I'm going to talk about it because Abraham was afraid. He was afraid of farming. He was afraid that when he lost his job or the place gets hard, what is going to do with him and Sarah and his nephew Lot? What was going to happen to them? And sometimes we're afraid when we lose contracts or our monies are not forthcoming. Are we going to be forced to borrow or to pay off the bank? What is going to be? We're afraid. And then I have a message for you this month of March. Tell your neighbor there is much for much. Oh, the way you are saying that appears you don't mean. There is much for much. There is so much of God's grace for this month of March. Today is the first month, just for your information. And there is so much of God's love for month of March. There is so much of God's forgiveness. If you are here and you are feeling guilty because you lied your way out to the place where you are and feel like you are so, so far from God. Sometimes you don't even feel like coming to church. I want you to know there is much of forgiveness in the month of March for you. Amen. So, many men can testify the extent of pursuit. But, but to think about how many of you found your spouses or your first lady you dated in high school, in college, your, what we call your college sweetheart, your university sweetheart, or some of you, your high school sweetheart, secondary school, when you were in Kumwa Abodom Senior High School or Achimota School, or uh, Achimota College. I'm sorry for the Achimota Accra people. The, the people you met there. The pursuit. The pursuit. Dekinabil has always shared with me how he found Kate and he did not waste time. It's on record. That is one of the few people under one year. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, he said it many times to me. So I know I have his permission to share. The pursuit of love. Pursuit of their mate and spouse. See, some of us, we had to say it and wait for two years. Some, it was for six months. But Auntie Kate was gracious. He saw the man's heart and how it was pounding. And he had mercy on him. No, God has been chasing us like that. Oh. God is in hot pursuit of you. God. Hey, oh no. The way God chases after you is more than any man has chased after you, my sister. And my mother's. I don't, God is chasing after you. God loves you. And his chase is far better than any man has tried here. He can go mighty ways and distances to seek the love of his life. What God does in pursuing his love is a higher level. And that's what we are about to discuss today through my four P's. That God is a chaser. Hello? So for information of their wives here, who said we've been married for 20 years, so you think it's not worth your husband chasing you. I came to announce to you officially that men love to chase. 
Because it's a character of God to chase. So don't make it difficult for the man to chase you. Oh no, no, some people have asked, why do some men have side chicks? I'm telling you, I'm giving you a secret today. Don't allow your husband to have a side Be the side chick. Let your husband chase after you. No, go on dates. Because that is the nature of God. He's always seeking after us. He pursues. If your husband has stopped pursuing you, he's not living after God. He's becoming another man. Help him to chase after you. Mama, do you hear what I am saying? Do you hear the words coming out of my mouth? It's the nature of God. Yes, you can still chase your wife even when she's 70. You, I, I know what I'm talking about. Because it's scripture. God chases after this man. So what has God does in pursuing of his love? Today, we'll uncover one of such pursuits of God's love for a friend called Abraham. So let me introduce my first piece. So what am I talking about here? It is God's love for you no matter what you have done or will do. I, I think that if I borrow some of the words Reverend Dr. Dora shared with us about God's love. Say God loves you so much there is nothing you can do about it. No, and sometimes it blows our mind. I know she brought a caveat to us. Because sometimes when we talk about God's love, it, it's so amazing you think that really. And then we can get to do anything we want. After all, he loves us, but that is not it. So I will also introduce my caveat. But I want you to establish in your mind that there is no sin you have done or you will do that could stop the love of God. No, that must sink deep. I know it's hard for you to accept it. Are you really sure? Are you really sure? Because you see, while we were yet sinners, and we did not say that while we were yet younger sinners or immoral sinners or liars. No, while we were yet sinners, God still commended his love. That must blow someone's mind. Maybe you are listening to us by my way of Facebook and you are in your room or wherever you are. And you said, can God really love me like this? Yes, you could be a prostitute. Gone way so deep for years. But you see, God still love pursues you. This love will pursue you until it finds you. And you may be hearing us or hear this message later and say, can God really love me? Because I'm really bad and I can do bad all by myself. Really, really out of line. I know there is a conscience in me that is almost dead. Like I don't feel when I even do bad. But I came to announce to you, God still loves you. And I know it's hard for people to take him because we live in a society where our parents have told us that it's hard, it's hard, it's hard, it's hard even for us when we don't perform well in school exams for them to love us this much. It was a very conditional love, many of us, where we grew up. It's when we behave well, that is why we see the love of our parents. When we, we are among the first five in class, we get daddy's special reward. So we can understand if we are last in class. That our parent will say, I still love you and you can do better. We've never heard those words. How many of you heard that from your good parents? That you didn't perform in class and they still look at you and says, it doesn't matter what you do, I still love you. You are wrong, I'm going to correct you because I love you. How many of us heard those words? But can I, how many of you are telling your children now? You didn't hear. But today I want you to go tell your child to the face that my daughter, I still love you. But I will still discipline you. Because I love you, I will not let you stay as first from the bottom, like we always say. Or last but one. We don't say last, but last but one. I mean, there was one person. Yeah. yeah. Imagine your child came home with a, a report and it's showing that 
it was almost lasting most of the subject. He said, how can you be the last? And he said, sorry, dad, I was last but one. So there's somebody. <laughs> there's some. Abraham was thinking he had to lie and now smart Pharaoh in a foreign land because wife, Sarah, was a chick, was too beautiful. And says, look, famine is happening to us. And you know, sometimes when we go through the hard times, the quick thing is that we need to find quick fixes. Genesis chapter 12, God has called Abraham to leave his father's house, left the family and moved with Sarah and Lot and moved in between Bethel and Ai. A place where the Lord has showed him to be. He said, leave your country, leave your people, and I will show you a place to be. So Abraham obeyed and moved. So he was on assignment. He was on mission. God had covenant with him. He said, whoever blesses you, I will bless. And I will make you a blessing. God said this to Abraham in Genesis 12. And in verse 10, famine happens. And it almost that when we go into crisis, we forget that we are Christian. It's like when you are driving and you are caught up in traffic around under bridge. And you forget that you are a pastor. And start to find a way around and drive because you are on assignment. And some of us forget that we are Christians. When that taxi driver raises the hands in traffic to you. Say, cool. It is me you are insulted. And then the gun will start to flow. I beg all my gun brothers, forgive me. But sometimes when I want to insult real, I find appropriate gun words. Oh, here tomorrow. No, like we start to go. The chi insult is not heavy. Because I'm an equipment. If I want to say Mpachosi, Mpachosi, no, that is, doesn't make people feel it. I beg you, no. I go the gun way. But I don't speak good gun. But I know all the gun insults. Oh, I'm confessing. If you have a prayer to pray for your prayer, that God will deliver him from the gun insults. I learned them very fast in my stay in Accra. I didn't learn the full language, but I learned how to insult in God because I heard people say them often. Yeah, but don't blame me. My stepfather was from Bukum. So you should know that. Yes, I live with my stepfather a couple of times. When he's angry, I could hear the words. So I learned them. I learned them. Yeah. It's it's something I need to unlearn because I'm a Christian. But sometimes I do remember them and I ask God for grace. Hallelujah. So the other day, there was a famine and things were tough. So there's a famine. He runs from where God is asking him to go for a temporary help in Egypt. What does the Bible say in Isaiah 30 and Isaiah 31? One word. And he says that, woe to you if you go to Egypt for help. No, some of us, immediately there is a little difficulty. We want to run out of the church and look for quick fix. Sometimes we go to unbelieving friends. Say, so look, this thing, I know nobody in church will help. Even though you have not discussed with anybody in church, you want to go down to Egypt because it's a way to fix things. He says, you go, you trust in their horses. But their horses, they are, the horsemen are men. They are not God. That is Isaiah. Yeah. Poor to those who go down to Egypt, who rely on horses, who trust in the multitude of their chariot, in the great strength of their horsemen, but do not look to the Holy One of Israel or seek help from the Lord. Look, when it is time for prayer, it is time for us to pray and seek God. Many of us in our prayer account is empty. And in the month of March next week, we are launching our 30 days of fasting as part of our Lent. And like we always say, everyone can participate in the fasting. Because I've told people that fasting is not only abstaining from food, but sometimes it's also abstaining from pleasure. And you can fast and can spend time with God and invest into your prayer account. Because you see, one of these days, famine will come where you are. No one is exempted. Even if you're on God's mission, you would be through famine. 
That's why he said, even if you go through the fire, if you go through the flood, I will be with you. God never told us. I know today it's common to see a preacher that if you buy this oil, you will never have problems again. What a lie. That if you came to my church, afflictions will never come to you. There are people who quote all kinds of things and misquote them. There are a lot on our radios and TVs. I was amazed to see that there are not too many TV channels which are not censored. And they lie to us all the time. And sometimes they lie in the name of the Lord. But Abraham was on mission and there was famine. So you can be at the place God wants you to be and there will be famine. You can be in this church praying and fasting and there will be famine. Is that okay? There will be difficulties. There will be hardships. You may even lose your job. Your family can come under crisis. Your marriage can come under attack. It does not mean that you are wrong. It does not mean you are sinning. It does not mean that God is not with you. This is the message I want to give to you today. So I'm proposing that God's love will love you even in famine. God will love you even when you are not paid. God still loves you even if your husband is not being nice to you. God still loves you even if your wife has stopped cooking for you. God still loves you even if your children have become rebellious. God still loves you and God loves those rebellious children. But you see, when the famine came, like Abraham, like many of us, he forgot that God is not limited to any location. That his assignment and covenant with him is everywhere. Many of us are Christians, maybe when we are church, but we are not Christians at workplace. Because you have convinced your mind that it's a red ocean in the marketplace. It's a difficult terrain. And if I don't play by their rules, I'll be a victim. And I'm a victim. And so I'm not going to let anybody take me for granted. So I'm going to fight back. Hey, let God do the fighting for you. Please, let God do the fighting for you. That's what I'm proposing. That I'm also proposing about God's love. That God had provisions for Abraham without him knowing. God loved him too much to make him suffer alone during famine. So guess what? There was a man called Elijah. The other day he heard from God and he spoke concerning Israel. And famine came. I want to read that text quickly. So, so this man and the word of the Lord came to Elijah verse 3. And it says... Live here, turn eastward and hide in the carrot Raven, east of Jordan, verse 4. And God said, you would drink from the brook and have ordered what? Ravings. But what is ravings in Chi or in Ga? Or Kwa Kwa Debi? Prof, is it possible for a man like you to eat from Kwa Kwa Debi? Uh, Josephine is asking that, what is Kwa Kwa Debi? What is Lofelo? Kwa Kwa Debi? Who want to eat from Kwa Kwa Debi? Wow. But you see, this is what God said. That if even it gets that bad, I will send Kwakwa Debi to come and feed you. Ravings. No, it will not make sense. But the point I'm establishing here, that if things get tough, if things get really, really tough, God will make the unlikely animal. I mean, if you want to be fed, you want parrots or doves or something nicer. Uh, Uncle Max, to, to bring you food, not Kwakwa Debi, but if that's what it will take, God says he will keep you in famine with Kwakwa Debi. That means he's going to use unlikely means to be able to provide for you in difficult times. So don't try to leave. Oh, I thought you were clap for Jesus. So God has provisions. That's the point I want to establish here. When circumstances become difficult and you are in the fairness of testing, remain where God has put you. 
until he tells you to move. This is one of the lessons I picked up. When things get tough in the marriage, don't look for a quick way out. When job gets tough, don't be smart to change rules. Trust God. The, through, the three Hebrew boys said that, O King, we are careful to obey you in this matter. Daniel chapter 3. But even if God does not deliver us, no, things can be really tough. I am not exaggerating, but some of you are in tough times. Sometimes it can get so tough for a man who has never worried about bread or fuel in a car to start thinking, You know when a man gets to that place where he's thinking about how many gallons of fuel to put in his car, then you know things are really tough. But for many of you, please fill the tank. Yeah. Then you start to look at your phone or you read your newspaper. Is the tank for how much? And then you just give the card. But times come! When he says, one gallon. <laughs> and when you do the one gallon, you are watching, <laughs> you are watching the thing. <laughs> no, when you get to that place, I just want you to know, remain where God has put you. It's only a season. Please tell someone it's a season. It will not last. Tough times don't last. Tough people do. So why are we talking about God pursuing of his love? There's one thing you see there. Because of his missional covenant with Abraham. God had a covenant with Abraham. God has a covenant with you through Jesus Christ. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, you go into covenant with him. If you remember Galatians 3, it says that the blessing of Abraham might do what? Might come upon the Gentiles. So God has a certain covenant with us. That is why he will keep pursuing us. He doesn't want the death of a son to be in vain. He doesn't want the word to which he gave to Abraham to be in vain. The life of an Abraham was an Abrahamic covenant. And God will watch over his covenant. Sometimes it may look like God is failed. Like he has no way out. But that's how he comes out with things that is beyond your imagination. Because of his glory at stake. Look, if you start to read for, he says, for my name's sake, for my glory's sake. Look, some of you think you are going through things that will let you compromise. But today I come to you to know that when you are disgraced, God is disgraced. And a God of glory cannot take a disgrace or dishonor. Are you hearing what I'm talking about? And so God, for his glory's sake, will not let you be disgraced and be dishonored. It may look like that is what it's appearing, but it only seems it is not real. Why does God pursue us? How does he do it? One other thing I saw in that verse, in 16 to 17 of Genesis chapter 12. Abraham has lied about Sarah. Uh, Pharaoh has taken the wife. And yet, this is how God will pursue it. He will not let Pharaoh, who, out of ignorance, has taken over, has taken over someone's wife to have access. Can you imagine? So now God sends plague, diseases. I'm not sure it was coronavirus, but something dangerous. No, but I've talked about this coronavirus for a while and how it happened in China. And this is my own perception. And I have not much basis, but I'm still reading. Kind of thing that for me is an awakening call. Anytime there is a crisis, I'm looking for a biblical response. And one of the things I saw in Luke chapter 18, when there were crises, Jesus said, except you repent, you will all likewise perish. So when I see a country that has been so hostile to religion, not only to Christianity, but to anything God, 
I kind of feel that it's a wake up for them to see they need to repent. It is not just Christians. They hate Muslims. They hate anything God. They just make it difficult for preachers. I went to school with some Chinese who I couldn't take photograph with because they didn't want them to be associated with Christians. They were underground pastors. Some of them are pastoring thousands of Chinese underground. Thousands. I'm not talking about hundreds. Thousands. So I hardly could take a picture with any of them because their life is always in danger. Maybe this is a wake-up call. So this is what God did. He sent terrible plagues upon Pharaoh and his household. This is how far God will go with his love. You remember the story about Israel in Egypt. Ten plagues. Ten plagues. Exodus chapter 7. And why was God doing that? To show that he is with the people. Can I read Exodus 7? And the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh and your brother Aaron. You are to say everything I command you. Verse 3. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart and though I multiply my miraculous signs and wonders, he will not listen. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt. There are many things that have happened in China we're hoping that kingdom will start to respond to the gospel, but they will not. So with mighty acts of judgment, with mighty acts of judgment, I will bring out my divisions and my people. Verse 5, that's where I end. And the Egyptians will know, they will know, that no matter how sophisticated their laboratories are, no matter how smart they are, when the frog and the blood in the water changes, and when there are diseases upon them, they will not be able to cure it. And last of all, I will take the affairs born of every household, so that they will know that I am the Lord. When I stretch out my hand against Egypt, and bring my Israelites out. When things are happening around us, let's be careful to know where God is at work. Because sometimes we think God is not in charge. But it does not matter who is your president, who is your king, who is your leader. God is still in charge. Even in the midst of coronavirus, I came to announce to the world that God is still in charge. That people will know that he is God. You can't close your eyes on God forever. There is always a season. He will shake himself just a little while. Just a little. Just a little. And in two months, drones of thousands are dying and nobody is finding a vaccine. We thought HIV. We thought hepatitis B were dangerous. Until, even we thought Ebola. We thought Ebola. And now, and I'm also happy to inform that we are praying that no African or no black person will be infected. Maybe you are here and you say, oh, that's racist. It is not. We have suffered enough as black people and God is sparing us. We have suffered. We have suffered all the wars. We have suffered Ebola. We have suffered. When it came, people saying that even when HIV came, they said it was a black disease. We have suffered. So the will of God will never lead you where the grace of God cannot keep you. I want this to sink deep down in your heart as I bring my message to an end. That no matter where you are, God's will will never lead you to a place where his grace will not be sufficient. That is what I'm saying. Don't be quick to quit. Don't be quick to stop the good things you do. Sometimes some of you out of your good heart help a lot of people but they lie to you. God will never lead you where his grace cannot keep you. Let me wrap up my message. What are the things that must come out of God pursuing you when his love is after you? Number one, he will protect you from his enemies. Abraham was so afraid that Pharaoh would kill him and take his wife. And so, God shows up to protect him. Even when he has lied, he did not deserve of God's protection. Now, some of you, you know where you are. Is God watching over you. The kind of attacks that have come on your life, you can testify. It's not because you are too righteous. It's not because you, you told the truth every time. There were times you lied. You know, I know. 
There are times you have given a bribe to the police. You didn't even know you were given. You just didn't want to waste your time because of 10 Ghana he's looking for. It's that one too is a sin. But God still protected you. The police did not accost you that you are attempting to bribe an officer of the state. That could have been a double crime. Having caused a traffic offense and attempting to bribe an officer of the state. Somebody know and he's smiling. You know what I'm talking about. But God will protect you from your enemies. Number two, he will supply your needs. It's interesting how God gave favor. Even when he lied, God still had... Look, this is sometimes how the love of God works. And I don't understand it fully. I don't. I must confess. Abraham still kept everything Pharaoh gave to him. The sheep, the goat, the cattle. Oh, it's all in the test. If you read verse 18, 19, it's there. I don't know how. It's only when I was in America I understood some of this scripture. Because I saw people who had gone to do marriage or convenience. When I went there first and I didn't have document. So, so for That's how so for the year. Even Dr. Dora will talk to you about this. I'm like, oh, suddenly they're you take people. So they'll call you Kingsley. But in the workplace, they call you James. And still, God had mercy on some of us. No, I couldn't bring myself to do that. No, I could not. But I knew people. Oh, no, no, don't worry. This is America. I said, so take care of your family. Use the names. Maybe you are not aware, but it does happen. It is not right. Please don't hear me saying it is not right. But sometimes, somehow, God still supply our needs. He restores what is yours. So, Sarah was brought back. This is the pursuing love of God. Abraham had given up the wife. Yet God, yet out of his pursuing love, preserved Sarah. Else Pharaoh would have added to his wives. And the last of all, he leads you back to the place of mission. So literally we saw Pharaoh said, go back. We can't stay with you. The way God is bringing judgment upon us. If you keep staying here, all of us will be destroyed. So they sack Abraham. And if you read verse 20 of Genesis 12, Abraham returned to the place of his assignment. God's pursuing love will send you back to where he wants you to be. You see it. And Pharaoh gave orders about Abraham to his men. And they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. And if you continue, he went back to the place he had to be. So what response can we have to this message? What are you facing right now at your work or home? Are you tempted to seek help from Egypt? Are you tempted to seek help from connection people? Are you tempted to seek help from people who seems to boast to have it all together? There are some church members, middle there's a problem, they are looking for the latest prophet because they can fix it just by bringing a, a, a certain offering. No. Sometimes you need to stay put and begin to talk with God because God will test you because he's called you. He's going to test your loyalty. He's going to stay, test your faithfulness. Abraham failed the first test, but he won't fail the second test when he came to what matters most, bringing his son for sacrifice. So will you trust God for you? Will you trust God's love for you? Shall we bow our heads in prayer at this time? Will you trust God's love for you? That even where you are, sometimes feeling you are far away from him, he still cares about you. Even when Abraham went to Egypt, God did not stop loving him. God kept loving him. Will you talk with God today? And you are listening to us wherever you said, wow, what can I do about this message? We want you to turn your life over to Jesus. We want you to know that right in your room, right where you are in that car, wherever you are seated at the airport, God still loves you. 
Will you trust his love in the midst of the diseases, in the midst of the famine, in the midst of the difficulties? And if you've never given your life to Jesus, we extend an invitation to you as the choir helps us even with our song. the grandest team through the ages round. Right? 